Well, shiver me, Timbers. To our listeners from across all regions of the planet, welcome once again aboard the Robin Hood, flagship to the world's one and only cooperatively inspired charity podcast network, WPRPN. Live streaming yet once again from somewhere off the frosty February shores of Korea's pre-Olympic coast, You've tuned in to episode 92 of Pirate Radio Podcasts. I'm your host as always, the ship's chief communications officer, Jaffe Ryder. This week, we take a disturbing trip down the shadowy corridors of our dark earthly realm. As author, investigator, and independent documentary filmmaker, William Ramsey joins us once again, this time discussing his latest work surrounding the so-called Smiley Face Murders. Author of Prophet of Evil, Abomination, and Children of the Beast, William has joined us several times over the past few years to discuss the prominent role of Aleister Crowley in occult history, as well as one of the more recent mega-scandals to rock the modern world, better known as Pizzagate. And just checking our stats here on Potomatic, that was episode 55. William and I were talking in the lead-up to today's launch. So that uh, show number 55, well over a 1,000 views on YouTube, as far as Potomatic is concerned, didn't get quite the chance to check things out there. But it's been doing quite well, for sure. William, are you back from your little sojourn? I am here. Thank you for having me back on your show, Jeffy. Ah, it's our pleasure. You always seem to have a engaging conversation, so really that's what it's all about. And uh, we've covered Pizzagate, as was prefaced in the intro, along with Aleister Crowley, of course, and his role in the modern occult uh, the only topic, really, that we haven't hit on yet to date that you seem to specialize in is the West Memphis 3 case. So that should be quite interesting if we get a chance to do that. We're all booked up until June as things stand for the moment. But uh, we'll definitely get you slotted in there and uh, and hopefully make the most of things. Great. Excellent. So you're here today to talk about what's widely known as the Smiley Face Murders. Your documentary is, I think, titled The Smiley Face Killers. That leads people down a little different route or pathway of looking at things, I suppose. The assumption there being that, uh, I guess there's multiple people behind this, obviously. But before we get I things... I would say so, yes. Yeah. Before we get things really moving along here, though, just... Uh, once again, there's no need for us to uh, spend any time with the formalities. You've already, having visited the Robin Hood a couple times to this point, presented your pirate credentials. So uh, I think the first time, in fact, the story that you shared with us had to do with your meeting Prince outside a movie theater back in the day. Well, you were actually, it was the, it was the Walter Matthau flick. Pirates that you had been... That's right. In Westwood. Westwood, Los Angeles. Yeah. On Westwood Boulevard, actually. 
And for people that uh, aren't aware, William is based out of the Los Angeles area. So one of the things we could have talked about, I suppose, and have you booked for was maybe to have some of your thoughts on the whole Weinstein scandal, Hollyweird and the like, but we'll save that perhaps for another time. Yeah, so That's a long story. That is a long story with many moving parts and many people involved. Oh, I would imagine it is. Uh, okay, we talked about the uh, yeah the iTunes business and the fact that uh, did we mention that already or was that in the in the lead up to things? I'm getting kind of. I think uh, it was in the lead up. If you want to restate that, that's probably fine. Yeah, well, you've been one of our most uh, popular downloads on iTunes to date, so uh, some major activity there. Uh, people want to check out if people are plugged into iTunes. Definitely try to get your hands on the shows that we've done with William. Unfortunately, the Aleister Crowley one, that is been removed from the archives. I've got to get that back up online. So, hmm. uh, why, why did that happen? Uh, we had it set aside as exclusive kind of premium content. <laughs> we'll have to, we'll put it back in place. So what happened was our, uh, we've, we've got a bigger account now and, uh, we'll, we'll put it back up there for people to check out. It's a good show and people should obviously have a chance to learn more about the great beast, I guess. So, um, uh, but let's just get the ball rolling here then. And, uh, I guess the first question would be, how did you first come to hear about the smiley faced murders? I think I'd always kind of seen it within general studies of conspiracy or hidden topic kind of subjects. So I'd heard about it, but really what kind of piqued my interest was seeing these symbols of the smiley face in all these different places. And, I'd seen it within common culture, within TV shows, movies, and stuff like that. So I was wondering what this symbol meant. Did it have an esoteric occult meaning? And I found that out. You see it primarily, at least for me, was in Alan Moore's, some of his comic books. So I saw it in an Alan Moore comic book, and that's really kind of how I tried to figure out how does this symbol tie into these disappearances of young men over the last 20 or 30 years, college-age young men, have been disappearing and being found in rivers. And so I was just trying to figure out what the tie-in was, and that's how the movie and book was Alan Moore's The Watchman. So the smiley face is on the cover with the blood stain on the, uh, on the top of the smiley face. So that was really how I got started. So I was always curious about that. Then I found uh, Jim Smith, who was a researcher about the, the smiley face killings, and I kind of started following him probably in early uh, 2016, and there was a case that happened in Columbus, Ohio. The name of the young man was Joey Labute, who had disappeared. And I said, if that guy shows up in water, something crazy is happening. So he had disappeared. And within about 19 or 20 days, Joey Labute showed up in the, the Scioto River, which is the river that flows through Columbus, Ohio. And that keyed in with all these other deaths, all these other disappearances and deaths of young men. And so I was like, well, this is really something that you know, I want to look in. And so I, I kind of casually was uh, researching it, but still looking back and trying to figure out other people who had researched it. And there was a book, uh, the best book, in my opinion, there's been other books I don't want to mention, but uh, because I don't think their conclusions are correct. But the best book is Case Studies and Drowning Forensics, which was done by Gannon and Gilbertson. Gannon was a New York police officer who uh, was interested in these cases. And Gilbertson is a college professor uh, in Minnesota. So that's really the book that I read, and I've, I found out all these other cases. And then I just really started watching and following kind of Jim Smith's stuff. 
And Jim Smith was a researcher on the movie that I just released about three months ago, titled The Smiley Face Killers, who is abducting, torturing, and murdering young college-age men in the U.S. and U.K. So this phenomenon is not contained to one specific geographical area. It's actually happening in the United States. It's happening in the U.K. It's happening in Europe. It's happening in Australia and a little bit in, in some Asian countries as well. So that's really how I got started and, and how my understanding of this phenomenon developed to the conclusions that I have today. Canada as well, too, from what I understand. Vancouver and Thunder Bay. Correct. Have you not referenced Correct. those? Correct. No, very much. Um, I didn't reference, reference those in the, in the documentary, but I'm familiar with a lot of native or indigenous young children and men who've been found in Thunder Bay water. And they just had recently, uh, they discovered a gay serial killer in Toronto, the name of MacArthur. And MacArthur was um, just discovered, but they're finding bodies all over the place. And I'm wondering if he had ever dumped any bodies in any water in that area. So it happens in Canada as well. There was the one high-profile gay, I guess he was like a callboy of sorts, uh, just a few years ago. His name was Minyata. Did he not dismember an Asian youth? Correct. That's actually, when people say there's no such thing as snuff films, you can go to the Luke Mignotic case, and he made a snuff film. It was called One Crazy and an Ice Pick. He had a title for it. I can't remember. One Lunatic and an Ice Pick. And he filmed himself killing a young Asian man. So that film is actually out there. You can People have viewed it before. I think I'll take a pass on yeah, that Yeah, you pass. Apparently, it's very extremely disturbing. I would not recommend uh, anybody ever watch that. First thing that comes to mind now, of course, is the deep web. So uh, I think we'll just leave it. Uh, I've heard some pretty awful stories along similar lines, but we'll leave that well, aside. I covered the deep web. I covered the deep web in my documentary. It's stating that the people who have learned how to perform these types of disappearances and deaths is probably change information on the deep web. But there's a very good episode of a podcast called Sword and Scale that covers the Minyata uh, murder. Really good. I can't remember the actual episode, but it's Sword and Scale. That's how I remember them. Okay. Just getting some comments here uh, via YouTube uh, in the chat area. Pirate Joe Eminon asking whether there's a stream or not, I see it seems to be mostly from his end. Uh, one of the issues that I know I've been having over the last number of weeks, though, is the inability to text chat in the live feed. So that's, uh, I'm not sure why that is. Maybe a little bit of cock blocking via YouTube's end of things, or who knows, uh, quite odd. But, uh, well, there's a whole number of different uh, issues here that we could hit on. and uh, But YouTube YouTube would never engage in censorship. Okay. Just, just. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. Yeah, like, well, yeah. and Facebook, too. We were kind of uh, just had briefly touched on that in the lead up to today's conversation. And things are just going from bad to worse, it seems, every day with Facebook. And I, I was encouraging you, of course, to maybe check out, take a little more time to kind of poke around minds.com a little bit uh, we'll even uh, show you the ropes over there it's not a sounds good oh ahoy pirate william ramsey aboard yeah, that's me well done so um and just as you may be able to see with the streaming with the youtube slideshow that uh, we've got all sorts of different pictures there that we just uh basically put together via the web a lot of smiley face type art and uh 
that sort of thing, including the Alan Moore Watchmen pictures that that he's uh, been best known for, a little bit of Crowley and a few of the other projects that you've been involved in here over the years. So now uh, you've got your own documentary, as you've talked about, of course, that's via Vimeo right now. What Vimeo. Is, what's the difference between renting and buying? Buying, I guess you get it, just hard copy? Or- I'm going to put out a DVD probably in the next week, and you can find that on WilliamRamseyInvestigates.com. That'll get you a hard copy. But online, you can rent the movie for $5, I think, and you can buy it for 12 and watch it into eternity. Um, so, and that's on Vimeo.com, on demand, slash smiley face. When you rent it, it's a time limit? There's a time limit, yeah. So I can set the time limit. Now, and people, of course, don't want to get that confused with the other documentary that's out there, which is more, it seems, of a mockumentary than anything yes. else. I've got some notes here put together that I just kind of managed to... It's the New Dawn Films, I guess, uh, Correct. is who put it out. So maybe, do you want to tell our listeners a little bit more about that? What you The New Dawn Films was a based upon these types of killings, but it actually is more of... The, uh, what was it? What's the New Jersey? What, what is that movie called where they went through the, the places of New Jersey and found, oh, no, I can't even remember. But it's, it's not really a true documentary. None of the actors are true. The Blair Witch Project. Yeah, it's basically a Blair Witch Project. Thank you. Gotcha. So yeah, so, mockumentary. Basically Spinal Tap covering this, but it's, it's titled The Smiley Face Killers, but it's very deceptive. Yeah, I had a chance actually to check out the first few minutes of what they put together. And if I hadn't known ahead of time what I was basically looking at, I probably wouldn't have realized that I was having the wool pulled over my eyes. So, yeah, not a lot of people do. I mean, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of stuff in there that looks authentic. So when I first watched it, I thought it was real. I had to go back and do my research and ascertain that you know something else was going on. Um, now, one of the things the points here we could pick up on as far as the uh, murders are concerned and the differences with respect to this Canadian-based, uh, the call boy, his name... Mignotta? Mignotta. Luke that, Mignotta or whatever. Yeah, and, and a snuff film, I guess, that he put together and so forth. It, it's a different sort of uh, M.O. in that, I guess, people are being dismembered. From his end of things, there were, he, he was concerned, but then the, the, uh, the smiley face murders, they're just found in in water having died from drowning so it would seem but there's more to it than that isn't there yes correct i mean i believe that the the young men who are found in water those are body dumps and a wide variety of them have been found in water and it's difficult to ascertain the totality of how many of them have been tortured but one of the first cases that has ever been studied regarding these types of cases was a guy by the name of mcneil out of new york and they found after the family requested an autopsy, they found that he had been tortured severely and had actually been blowtorch, which the police had never told the family. It took them 10 years to find that out. And a lot of these other cases have evidence of torture, whether it's Jenkins out of Minneapolis, Minnesota, or some of these other cases. It's just a matter of really uh, finding out about you know, how thorough the autopsy was. And a lot of the families don't find the autopsy. So... You know, it's it's hard to determine the totality of the torture, but there are other cases out of whether it was Pennsylvania or Rhode Island that the men have been evidence of being tortured. But really what the giveaway, I think, for a lot of these cases is that the young men have been found in water that had already been checked, whether it's Deacon Wilkins or uh, young men, uh, or more recent case, Dakota James, that happened in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. 
So the police have already checked these places. Then all of a sudden the body shows up after the time that a body usually surfaces. Uh, a human body, if it's passed away, will surface within about five days. But at the last edge is 20 days. And some of these bodies are found much later than that. Dakota James that happened in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania was 40 days. So where are they? Where are these young men? And I have you know, come to the conclusion that they're abducted. They're kept for a period of time before they are murdered. I took the time to investigate things a little myself here as far as the work that you've done in presenting your case and conducting the interviews regarding your documentary efforts and this whole business of young men uh, disappearing and, and showing up dead under these circumstances. And these are the conclusions that I'm finding myself as skeptical. You know, I do my best to reserve judgment. But at the same time, yeah, you're making a pretty strong case for this the the, the debunkers well, and the skeptics, I guess, what do they like to say? What's what are the well? There's this whole notion that there's some kind of paranormal involvement involving you know wormholes and all this, this stuff that. Oh my God, they're really yeah no that's actually for real. There's actually people like that. So um, there's other people who don't want to come to conclusions and kind of keep the subject within the paranormal realm. So like paranormal events are happening, and. Uh, I'm much different than their position. I actually believe there's a human hand and that these are, you know, abductions that involve possibly multiple parties in different parts of the country and potentially involve people in some of these drinking establishments or some of these bars. So uh, my conclusions are definitely different than some of these other people whose names I will not mention. Many of the cases as well have been captured on closed circuit television camera that's correct there's many and i tried to include as many of those as as i could within the documentary so you can see all these people one of the statements of some people is say that these guys are so drunk that they are drowning once they hit the water but if you look at some of these cctv cameras they're clearly not inebriated enough to be incapacitated they're walking straight Dakota James is a perfect example. There's a picture of him on one of the CCTV cameras where he is walking very clearly and, and holding his phone and, and typing on his phone. So it doesn't quite make any sense that, you know, this person was so inebriated that he fell in the water and couldn't get out and drowned. Uh, we've got something that's just breaking uh, as we speak, hitting quite close to home. Something that Pirate Joe does talk about from time to time. I didn't realize that this was the case, though, that his, I knew that his son uh, died and uh, that uh, I guess the police ruled it a suicide. I, I wasn't aware of the circumstances, though. It, it, it turns out that uh, what he's saying is that he was drowned. So I'd like to know the particulars, Joe, if you wouldn't yeah, mind just so sharing those with okay. us. That really hits quite close to home, obviously. It'll be interesting to see what Joe has to offer here as far as the details are concerned. Uh, one of the things, though, that has been found just within the course of things is how the authorities quite often have been not really exactly playing ball with investigators uh, uh, outside of the mainstream, uh, right. such as people such as yourself or Jim Smith, or even these rogue, maybe the police officers. I, I guess you mentioned their name just a few minutes ago, just to refresh our memories, though, if you would. It was uh, Gannon. Gannon was the uh, cop, and his fellow policeman was a guy by the name of Duarte, and they were the two who noticed there was a pattern taking place. 
But yeah, the the police do not want to divulge some of those details about some of these crimes, and they, in my opinion, they have refused to warn the public that these crimes can happen. If you look at my documentary, I cover about 50 crimes of these young men disappearing and being found in water, and the police do not want to acknowledge this. There was an FBI, there was a writing where they kind of denied any type of malevolent involvement in these deaths, and the, and the FBI said that these are drownings that take place in the dark at night and the cold water affects these people but you can see that they're and you can look at my movie you can tell these people are not incapacitated it's pretty disturbing when you when you consider what the police have done on these cases the autopsies as well too a lot of jiggery pokery taking place there as well too with you know sometimes action not being not uh occurring where you would think an autopsy would be performed and it's not for whatever reason, or just can you explain the the oddities surrounding some of the autopsies? That uh, Cyril Wecht, I guess he's a pretty high profile. Right. Maybe you could talk a little bit about him and some of the cases where the autopsies were not performed, and which leaves a lot of people scratching their heads as to why they were. Cyril, Cyril Wecht has been involved in two SFK type killings. One is the recent one that I talked about: a young man by the name of Dakota James who disappeared last year, was missing for forty days, and was found in a river outside of Pittsburgh. But uh, he had the family of Dakota James hired Cyril Wecht, who is, he lives outside of Pittsburgh, coincidentally. But he was also involved, Cyril Wecht was involved in a case in Michigan of a young man who was found in a river. And he said that Cyril Wecht said he had been tortured. After, after Cyril Wecht looked at the autopsy reports, the young man had been tortured before he'd been, been placed in the water. Cyril Wecht is definitely associated with some of these cases. Dakota James had been missing for 40 days. Cyril Weck performs the autopsy and rules that he had only been dead for a couple. Is that right? Something like that. The family has said that the young man, Dakota James, was only dead for a couple days. So where was he um, for those 38 days? Well, one of the, I think, things that you speculated upon is the, what is it, the S&M? kind of a community as well as the gay community and the way that those two might overlap and as well as uh, this the business of social media online chat apps ways that people are you know like hooking up online and uh after hours sort of uh on in games uh, leading to like uh, i like i said dakota james was on the phone possibly on an app and so was um the guy that was in columbus ohio you know, so he, Joey Labute, was also on a gay dating app. And the, the, the last bar he was seen at, the sister bar that was owned by the same owners, was a gay bar right across the street. So nobody knows where he disappeared to. But these are all, you know, something that's going on. Why are these people on these gay apps? There's another kid or young man out of Redding, Pennsylvania, and he was on a gay app and disappeared. So there's definitely a correlation. And some of the conclusions that I leave in, in the documentary show that there's other murders that have been associated with gay apps, particularly in the UK. How many of the smiley face murders have investigators speculated have taken place in the UK alone? There's at least 40 or 50, you know, so there's a huge number of cases that have happened in the UK. There's about 60 or 70 that have happened in Sydney, Australia probably another 50 in wow. Amsterdam. Yeah. Jeez. And Easy. they're all leaving their calling card. All too often you find the smiley face logo. Typically it's it's upstream from where the body is eventually located. Is that not the case? 
I think that the, what they have speculated that, that that smiley face is put in a place where the body is put in the water, not where the body is found. And it's been around in a number of cases. You know, it's not it's something that actually I tried to, you know, deny or disavow. And the reality is that I couldn't do it. There's too many incidences of that smiley face being associated. When I understood the, the whole cult significance of the smiley face, it makes sense that it's associated with these types of cases. You know, it means that the world is a big joke. You can do what you want, and you can kind of understand why that that's associated with at least some of these cases. And they're happening all over the world. So that's why I believe that there's communications in these kind of underground dark web networks about this type of death and killing. Alan Moore, I guess, uh, he's not author of the Watchmen series. He's more, I guess, the illustrator, is he not? He doesn't illustrate. He writes all the books. Somebody oh. else illustrates them. He does both, excuse me? No, he only he only uh, writes them. Gotcha. From Hell, Watchmen, you know, a lot of these movies that have been, uh, books that have been made into movies, he only writes. And he also stated that he spends half of his time writing books and half of his time as a magician. Kind of like Stan Lee, as far as the writing end of things is concerned. I'm not so sure yeah. about the magic, but uh, you can you can read about. I put Alan Moore in my book, Children of the Beast. I cover Alan Moore in great detail because of his associations, his friendships, and who he knew um, in that kind of underground in the mid part of the UK. And his knowledge of the occult is, is informs his his works. Yeah, as it does a lot of uh, artists, performers. People in the entertainment industry and so forth. You would know this quite well, of course, being situated where you are. There's a lot of talk about how people really, it's almost as if you've got to make a deal with the devil to be able to, to be able to win a little bit of fame in the world almost, you know. So sure seems like it, yeah. You have to sell your soul. So, uh, Joe, Pirate Joe Eminon here just uh, sharing a a few of his comments in the chat area on YouTube. This is pretty graphic and dark, but, uh, you know, he's pretty open about this. He, uh, it's a tough topic, obviously, but the details, what he's sharing here, stating that uh, with a cement block chain to his neck, this is his son that drowned back in uh, 1999. It was his, just the week before his 19th birthday, I guess. Autopsy. Something about no water in lungs, but ruled a suicide. Uh, it was a pool, and oh, geez, uh, he was sleeping with the Republican's daughter. Okay, uh, well, I wonder if there's a connection there or not. So uh, that's a tough one for sure. But uh, I don't know. I guess no smiley face uh, angle to that, although. You know, just a, a young man who tragically lost his life, of course. So, very uh, difficult topic, of course, and, and sorry to even have to discuss it. But Some people have speculated that probably between two to 400 of these types of cases all over the world. There we go. Three to 500, so it's a significant number. And of that, what percentage would you say are homosexual related with these hookup apps? Well, that's a good question. I would say that, you know, some of the, there's definitely this homosexual aspect to these crimes, in my opinion. And how many of those men are homosexual? It's not the majority. It's probably 40 or 50%. Some of the other men, I believe, don't know they're victims. They're not homosexuals, but they're targeted by somebody who has an interest in men, in my opinion. 
if you look at all of the, if you take like the general body view of all these young men, they're almost all athletic. They're all, there's nobody overweight. There's maybe one, one guy out of all of those, you know, potential victims that is even 10% overweight. They're all, they're all very fit. So why is that the case? Yeah. The one line that came to me actually, just as I was thinking about this, uh, I was off in the kitchen just an hour or so ago putting the coffee together, was kill the best and buy the rest. One of the things that's been talked about, too, is how maybe the motivation behind some of these uh, killings is just jealousy. People, as you say, good-looking, attractive, yeah. you know, in, in decent uh, physical condition, you know... Um, most of us are, I guess, <laughs> not all of us are, are of that type, of course, and uh, more of this the couch potato variety, or less than ideal. But uh, what are your thoughts, and why is this uh, that they are, uh, you know, the date rape drug, is it was a GHB. Right, yeah, GHB, been, yeah. Has been involved, or has that, that shown up in a few of the autopsies, has it? Correct, correct. I mean, some of the autopsies, particularly from case studies and drowning forensics, you know, they have found ghb in the blood which is actually a drug that leaves the system very quickly so uh there have also been instances where people have clearly been roofied and you know woken up in hospitals or or and i include a couple of the cases one out of boston where guys have, have been bound in sewers they've clearly been date rape drugged so you don't know the totality of how many of these people have been drugged but i believe that it's a significant amount and i cover a case a serial killer in the UK who was uh, homosexual and who was, you know, administering GHB to his victims. How long does it stay in the system? Not for very long, I guess, is what you're saying. I don't saying. think so. I thought it was like the, the detectable duration is less than 24 hours because GHB is already in your system in trace amounts. So it's basically like overloading the system with a compound that is already in your system. How about that? So, yeah, you've got these individuals, once again, who are missing for extended periods of time, then are discovered, and the autopsies in some instances, from what you're telling us then, show that evidence or traces of this, it doesn't make any sense, other than within the context of the scenario or hypothesis that you're presenting or laying out there for people, that they have been uh, physically you know, detained and held, presumably, uh, for sexual kinks and kicks, and then later disposed of. So One of the things that you can rule out from all these cases is a financial motive. Nobody's credit cards or debit cards or anything has ever been overcharged. So once you take out a financial motive, what's left? What's remaining from the motives of somebody involved in this? Yeah, that's a good question. Revenge would be one, I suppose. Well, the revenge motive can be nullified because you would have to say that somebody's taking revenge on all these young men and then throwing them in the water the same way, right? right? So is that really that many people out there who know of this typical, this kind of MO that baffles the police? Because once the police find the bodies in the water, it curtails any type of investigation into a murder. They believe worldwide that these water deaths are associated with accidents. And on my position on all of these, particularly the cases that I included in the documentary, is that these are not accidents, that these are intentional murders and drowning. 
how many cases altogether then do you cover in your uh, over film? fifty? Over fifty. Yeah, I guess it's about a three and a half hour viewing altogether, sure. sitting. So, and that uh, one of the people who interviewed you was really quite impressed by the way that you just laid things out because of your lawyer training very skilled manner checking off all the boxes and just building things up to the point where the conclusion the end result or where you're kind of uh dearing things or maybe it's just you know not so much that as just the facts speak for themselves i suppose is one of the ways of putting it well uh, if you look at the if you look at the conclusion of the documentary i include three possible perpetrators and not all the perpetrators involved occultism but what they all involved was their interest in young men and so that is, for me, was the chief takeaway that I could provide to the listener, is that young men are a target for people who want to abduct, torture, and murder them. You know, I've heard you speaking of young men and uh, the gay angle, uh, because as you, I believe, have said now, if, if I'm I think hearing... that the totality of my conclusion is that these cases are all involving a gay angle. That was my conclusion. It was not something... That I understood oh, when I first right. started okay. researching the cases. I had no idea. Right. But I had to learn about gimp masks, you know, gay involvement, stuff like that. We talked about the early part of this discussion. We talked about this guy, MacArthur, who was in Toronto. They saw a young man, 18 or 19, go into his apartment. And the police saw this. They actually in invaded the apartment and found the young man on his bed tied up. So he was abducted and tortured. He hadn't been murdered yet. But those kind of crimes fit into this type of SFK crime, smiley face killers. Were the police following up on a tip? Is that how they managed to track something? Down? I don't know the totality of it. They had been following this guy, MacArthur, an older 65-year-old man, and they're finding bodies all over the place. Half of the victims, I believe, is what you said. Approximately, was it 40, 50% of the victims have been gay, apparently. Is that correct? I think that's a general assessment, but yeah, something like that. Right. But the other the other victims don't necessarily have to be gay. They're just somebody who's been targeted, somebody who's been drugged and targeted. Yeah, gotcha. Now, you have uh, talked about not your most favorite person in the world here, William S. Burroughs, bit of an axe to grind with the man, and uh, I'm not sure why that is exactly. Well, one of the things I've heard him talk about in the interviews, uh, different uh snippets and uh, sound bites that he's that he did offer over the course of his career was uh the idea of putting together a gay mafia he was big on interesting that, that, that makes yeah. perfect sense that oh. fits together totally with the smiley face and if you watch the documentary the people who i included in there were uh burroughs admirers well did you watch the documentary i haven't uh, got access yet yeah no. you should you should watch it yeah. I'd, I'd like to for sure and uh so we'll do what we can to do that and uh and and make it more readily available to our listeners and the wider public too of course so but burrows i have noticed along with this and this was i think an interview uh that he was intoxicated at the time a really surly drunk he was a he was a, he could be a real surly kind of mean sob when he was sober not so bad but he did have that, that edge to him, and uh, really, his shadow, really, I think, uh, in a lot of instances, got the best to him. So, um, And we have heard a lot about that coming from places like Hollywood, this velvet gay mafia. Well, Burroughs used to use the smiley face. 
There's an article with him saying that he used a smiley face on the side of his building. The smiley face goes back in that community, you know, to Burroughs. I had no idea about that and the Burroughs connection there exactly, although... No, no, you should watch the documentary. There's a lot of stuff at the end, very important. In the lead-up to things, just doing the research and, and homework here into getting things all sort of straightened out and squared away as, as best I was able to manage, that uh, the history was linked, as I think you've talked about here, underground, grunge movement, Nirvana, of course, very right. uh, prominent there with one of their albums, the rave scene and so forth, but yes. you can actually trace it back as far as, this is the Reader Digest version of things, an insurance company in Worcester, Massachusetts, 1963. Did you read that? I would uh, say that it goes before that, but yeah, I think that they used the smiley face. Some people use it in different contexts, but Burroughs used it in the 50s, so it predates them. No kidding. But you can put it, yeah, absolutely, and you can put it through that underground. You can put it through the rave, you know, techno, industrial underground that, you know, was before Trent Reznor and these other guys. So. You know, if you watch the documentary, I include all that information in there. Topi, Temple of Psychic Youth, all the stuff that used the smiley face. Give me a couple minutes. I'll be right back. i got to take a tiny little break. Episode 92, William Ramsey, Occult 9-11, discussing the smiley face killers, or murders as some would have it. Uh, quite a theory, obviously, but something where William along with other researchers, investigators, including somebody by the name of Jim Smith. Uh, I think, as what William has said, he has collaborated with to a certain extent, or at least given him some credit with respect to, well, the documentary that he put together recently. He credited him with uh, helping out on some fronts. So this is... Uh, if true, quite something, obviously. One of the things that we'd like to ask him about more with respect to the pop culture references and occurrences through, you know, over the past number of years is the TV show The Mentalist. The wife, actually, right. and I were watching. Uh, I wasn't a huge fan. It was more her TV show. But uh, have you seen that, William? The Mentalist and how this, the smiley face killer, yes. I guess, is... I did, and it's included in my documentary. I include The Mentalist and show that the producer of The Mentalist was a British guy who has a very good understanding of occult doctrines. I see, and and is that is he a practicing like a ritual magician, or is it just more he's a researcher? No, I never ascertained that. He's more of a researcher, like an intelligent, well-read guy, yeah. But I include The Mentalist in there. I include all, all these references. But The Mentalist, I think the guy there... there Moriarty was a guy by the name of Red Jack or Red something like that. And he was the one who used the smiley face in all of these different spots. I wanted to add something. When I was researching the West Memphis Three, even before I got involved in any of this smiley face stuff, I was following Damien Eccles, who was a convicted child killer. And he had gotten out of jail in 2011 and had moved to Salem, Massachusetts. Uh, I had followed him to Salem, Massachusetts. He'd been attracted to it because he believed that that was the places where the rich witches were prosecuted. So he moved there, and it turns out that I touched base with a guy by the name of Michael Blatty, who is the son of Peter Blatty, the writer of The Exorcist, who kind of saw through the West Memphis Three deception and was one of the biggest 
anti-Damien Eccles persons in uh, Salem, Massachusetts. Well, there were also pro-Damien Eccles people in Salem, Massachusetts, and one was a guy by the name of Fred who used as his moniker a picture of a smiley face that was in black and red. I didn't know who Fred was, so I had to research him. Well, it turns out he was a member of the Temple of Psychic Youth with uh, Genesis P. Orge, who was a bandmate of Peter Christofferson, who I include in my film. No relation to Chris Christofferson, or is no, he? No, no, okay. no. A lot of these uh, incidents seem to take place within the context of large public gatherings, events of Correct. sorts, concerts That's and festivals, that, that kind of thing. It's a good observation, indeed. Anything more you could add to that? or just I, I... Well, I, I believe that the people who are involved in this go to certain places to find victims. And the places they go are busy uh, bars, places where there is some kind of sporting game or a music you know, venue. William Hurley out of Boston, he was leaving a Boston Celtics game. There was another guy by the name of Kelleher out of Boston who was leaving a Boston Celtics game and he was disappeared. Zachary Marr was at one of the oldest bars in Boston disappeared and was found in the river. All Mar, Kelleher, and Hurley all found, found in the river. And then if you look at the cases that took place in like Minnesota and Wisconsin, they were all college towns. They were all situations where young men were coming out of busy bars late at night. Jimmy Slack out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, he was at a uh, some type of music venue. So I think that there's definitely a correlation between these types of abductions and, you know, busy things. For example, Kelleher, he crossed over the Charles River to get an Uber, and he was at, like, a park. He disappeared, but his phone pinged in South Boston. How his phone got back over the Charles River and pinged in South Boston, nobody knows. Uh, with the police ruling it simply that he was intoxicated, stumbled, fell into the water, and drowned. That's correct. But if you look at the Charles River, it's not a flowing river. There's actually a, a series of locks. So the locks prohibit any type of typical river activity. And so he basically supposedly drowned in a pond. You know, it's interesting, speaking of calling cards and the occult and so forth, one of the victims, I guess, was found near a water treatment facility. Correct. Uh, there were two in New York, yeah. Owl's Head Park. I mean, how much more That's occult right, do you yeah. want to get than that? Not much. Was there a smiley face found on location as well with that particular case? Well, that's a good question. I tried to list all the places that there was a smiley face. There was a Zachary Marr out of Boston, but nobody, nothing was found in some of those other environments, no. But, um, you know, there's some in Wisconsin, Minnesota. There's smiley faces found in Florida. So, you know, they're around. They're definitely, there's something about them associated in Minnesota. Uh, Michigan, there's something associated between those smiley faces and these deaths. There's another one in Pennsylvania. Too much of a correlation to yes. be seen simply just as a coincidence, I guess. No, it's beyond coincidental, man. There, there's some all over, and there's some that aren't divulged to the public. You know, the public just doesn't know about some of these other ones. It's that's kept by the police or investigators. That's right. And that's something that it's important for people to think about within the realm of conspiracy is, okay, we've had the cover blown on this number of conspiracies. Just think of the the ones that you never hear about that remain It's an excellent point. It's an up. excellent point. No doubt. I think some of these cases, there are cases that have happened that people just haven't noticed that are SFK type cases. If you look at this kind of serial killer that I cover 
in the UK, the police had to go back and look at 50 other similar cases to ascertain whether this guy had killed them or not. So they had accepted all these cover stories for the deaths of these young men by GHB, and they realized that they were negligent. Now, a lot of those cops got censured. I don't know if they got fired, but they got censured because of uh, not doing proper, thorough research into some of these deaths. How about that? Pirate Joe uh, Emanon referencing... I'm not sure what kind of drug it is exactly. Rohypnol? Does that figure into any of these cases? Yes, rohypnol is involved. Roofie drug, I believe, rohypnol is similar to GHB in its effect. So being roofied is basically tantamount to being given GHB. How about that? There's also said to be a Hollywood movie in the works. Is that not the case? That's true. I mean, actually, a big-time writer, Brett Easton Ellis has gotten the okay to do something about this subject. So look forward to seeing that. I'm curious to see how they do it. Brett Easton Ellis was the writer for American Psycho for Less Than Zero. So he's done some interesting stuff in the past. Any idea how soon we can expect seeing something? It's a good question. I think that it's in production. I think they're actually filming. So I would assume it's going to be late 2018, early 2019. I'd like to talk about Jim Smith a little bit, but one of the names that's come up over the course of you know the research that I have done here, parallels have been made uh, between some connection some researchers are trying to make between what's happening here with the smiley face murders and the work that David Politis has done missing right. 9-11. I don't think you're the biggest fan from what I understand. Am I, am I maybe off base there? No, is there some, is there... no, you're not off base at all. I'm not a big fan, and I think if I can speak for Jim Smith, either is he. So he wrote a book called Drowning in Coincidence and likened a lot of these type cases to drownings, which I believe is 100% false. I don't believe any of the cases that I cover in my documentary are attributed to drowning at all. If you look at my documentary, you can come to the conclusion what I actually think if this is happening to these, these young men, which is associated with fetishism. But, uh, yeah, Polides, I actually had a recent comment by somebody on my Facebook page regarding the work of David Polides. And he had somebody who had actually watched the documentary, and he says, quote, there's a reference to the smiley face at the beginning of the new It film where young boys and girls go missing. Again, I cannot re reiterate how good this documentary is. David Polides could take a note from this. His documentary sucked. <laughs> so, so that was a recent comment. But Polides actually derived a lot of the work, in my opinion, from in his book Drowning in Coincidence. He derived it a lot from case studies and drowning forensics. And I include case studies and drowning forensics in my documentary, but it's really more of a baseline research piece than anything else. Yeah, he's been pretty high profile as of late throughout the podcast community, including yes. uh, Coast to Coast AM and whatnot. Have you managed to make your way? Have you been George Norrie and that whole crap? No, but I actually have tried to bring up information with David Polides, and he basically ghosted me. He just stopped responding. I asked him, a, I think my last question that I'd asked him was, do you attribute these deaths to Bigfoot? And then that was it. No, he never answered another question to me. So. Along the lines of what you were uh, referencing earlier with respect right. to... Well, uh, now we brought up the name. You know, I didn't really want to, but oh. there's other names out there of people who've researched this, but I don't think their work is that great. I do believe that Gannon and Gilbertson were on the right track. I think that they got these deaths correct. I think the conclusions that they had didn't include my conclusion that these are gay-associated crimes, all of them. 
Oh, they they didn't. Uh, that's not quite how they saw things. Then I guess no, no. But they saw them as you know there was something associated with the smiley face, which I think there's there is correct. And like you said, if there's some kind of gay group that is after young men, that would make sense. But they they didn't see these crimes as gay, which is interesting because when I did some research, I think it, one of the hot spots is um, not Eau Claire. It's in Wisconsin. They saw that all of the art of some of the artifacts of the young men were left by this statue and due to further research by myself and jim smith that area was a gay pickup spot which something that they didn't notice so it was an important component of looking at that case but it was something that they overlooked in my opinion yeah bit of a blind spot obviously that some of these cases are either a blind spot but it's also not politically correct you know i think that people just say that some of these crimes are due to homosexual interests is not politically correct which is kind of a joke because I would say most of the murders of young women or women is due to heterosexual murderous instincts. Right. Going back once again to Burroughs and the gay mafia reference, the context I think that he was his coming across very, once again, surly self, the way that he was kind of laying that out there, you know, it was more as a, as a way of uh, retribution, I suppose, for all the persecution towards gays that he said... It would be a good thing if there was a gay mafia was was formed at some point, as if <laughs> steps already hadn't been taken to do so. Obviously, right? So, well, they've uh, talked about gay mafias in in Hollywood and in Washington, things like that. That there actually are kind of homosexual mafias, of which you know people like PizzaGate are involved in. There's been that rumor. Oh yeah, I've got no uh, problem believing that. I'm sure. You know, most of our listeners are kind of hip to that realization or reality, too. Although, as you say, it's not politically correct to right. perhaps voice those uh, views or opinions. Uh, about half a dozen people actually join us here for the live stream. If Just to let people know, as we've only got another really half hour to the bottom of the hour, and we'll be wrapping things up. But if you've got any more further comments or thoughts, uh, questions and the like, by all means, uh, you know, let's, let's hear them via YouTube. You can also, if you want, Skype in live. Uh, we can hook that up, work that out for you. So, uh, and as well, William, you were saying that we might be able to actually continue things here, maybe uh, shift our focus a little bit. Uh, with the Rogues Gallery after show runs for about an hour here. As sure. Yeah. I would like to do things. Your schedule's a little more free this time round. Uh, wife and the kids are out of the house, I guess, or gone for the the evening. Uh, so you're a little more free to uh, converse and uh, just uh, hash over any really kind of pressing items. Sure. You betcha. Uh, just and once again to remind people, the Williams uh, documentary runs for about three and a half hours. Available via Vimeo. I think it's a five dollar rental fee, twelve dollars to purchase, if I'm not mistaken. Just the title once more, and any more particulars you can offer. That it way. is the the Smiley Face Killers, who is abducting, torturing, and murdering young college age men in the U.S. and U.K. It's available on Vimeo. You can just type in William Ramsey or Smiley Face. And I've gotten tons of uh, excellent response from it. And you can see it on my Vimeo page. And Jim Smith is one of the researchers that you've accredited Correct. in the, the film from uh, what, you've, what you've said here. How is it that you first managed to uh, make his acquaintance? I think it was, la it was in 2016. When I had just come across something that he had posted 
he runs a Twitter page of Smiley Face America. And so we just slowly kind of made the acquaintance, and we he realized that I was interested in the same subject. He came at it from a different angle after the disappearance of like a coach's, uh, an NFL coach's son, and he was like, something's going on. He's right. I mean, he was absolutely right something was going on. Then we just slowly kind of started working together. We've done a bunch of interviews on my YouTube channel, William Ramsey Investigates or William Ramsey on YouTube, so you can listen to all those. We talk. You know, maybe every couple of months just about the cases that are still happening. Even to this day, there's still cases in the U.K. and the U.S. Unfortunately, that does seem to be the case. What what has been the most recent occurrence from what you're aware of? I haven't seen a smiley face in quite some time. Actually, I saw one that's on uh, the singer of Corey Taylor, who's the singer of Slipknot, has a smiley face tattoos on his body, among other things. But there was a guy in the Netherlands... His name was Bruinsma, who disappeared on, excuse me, 18-year-old student Ramon Bruinsma disappeared December 1st and then was found a month later in Amsterdam. So these crimes are happening in Amsterdam. But uh, there's just been so, there's been so many cases, I can't even follow them. Adam Gilbertson, Haven Liebman, Izzy Whalen, Eric Munzel. Since I published, you know, my last documentary, there's still many calls. And, um, so... It seems like somebody out there knows, you know, how to dispose of a body when they're done. There have been a few stories that have surfaced as well, too, I believe. Reports of a van appearing from out of nowhere, a couple of men jumping out and uh, engaging in conversation just from out of the blue, and then trying to ultimately abduct people. Can you kind of maybe fill in a few yeah, of the blanks? I've, yeah, there? I've covered that. There was a, a situation in Marham, which is in a Midlands area of the UK, about an hour northeast of London, where somebody there was a van and somebody tried to abduct somebody in broad daylight. And there was also an attempted abduction in an Uber in Pittsburgh. So, you know, those are just ones that I've covered. But yeah, these things do happen. So, you know, you want, you want to tell your friends and family that, you know, they can be abducted. It can happen. A question from the YouTube chat uh, regarding the date range of the killings. I believe they started in the mid to late 90s, did they not? Yeah. I think the earliest case was in the 90s and all the way up to today, so probably 30 years. And this is Victim Zero, who was found, as I believe you mentioned earlier, with blowtorch, evidence of, of torture via... Right, McNeil. And an overwhelming number of them, too. Many, what states have been most prominent? It's Massachusetts has been one of the big ones. New York as well, too. Boston, New York, Wisconsin, you know, things like that. There's actually been a huge one in uh, Manchester. One of your other guests, what was his name, Thomas Sheridan, covered what's known as the Manchester Pusher. But in my opinion, those are not pushings. Those are actually body dumps. They're involved, in my opinion, in these smiley face killings. Events. Are you still there? I'm actually just trying to mute it. I have, I have, a, I've had a cough for like a month and a half. Right. We were talking about that once again just in the yeah. before we uh, started uh, the stream. So here listen to Tom, listen to Thomas Sheridan yeah. talks about the Manchester pusher. Yeah. He's correct. It's not a pusher. It's a body dumper. And I included some of those Manchester pusher cases. How about that? In my document. Yeah. So. In my that? opinion, those are all part of the larger phenomenon of what's known as the smiley face killers, which is about a half misnomer. You know, not all the cases involve a smiley face, but they involve young men. 
In all those cases, the Manchester Pusher, a majority of them are young men, and there's a significant majority who've come out of a bar, you know, late at night. Suvik Powell is one of them. I mean, I actually remember some of those names. How much uh, closed-circuit television coverage has there been a lot. in Manchester? Suvik Powell. You know, they have, a, they have a, a video of him where a young man comes up and talks to him in the middle of the night, and they never found out who that person was. That was one of the last persons he was seen with. And there's been another, uh, you know, they call them what, South Asians, Indian people, who have died in Manchester and in other places throughout. Bristol is actually a hotbed, too, which is in southwest England. So it's happening all over. It's amazing. Okay. Scrolling through the notes here. Let's see what we've got left. Uh, oh, geez. One of the things that I shared with you behind the scenes off the record, I'll, I'll share it with the listeners now, though, is how we had, I think, just right around the time that we had booked this show, because we talked about doing this a number of months ago, right, and sure. it was right around about the same time that I was contacted from out of the blue via Minds.com and an account, a young lady named Leanne Cooney, who, and this all could be coincidence, of course, too, but she's got a song called uh, Happy Face. If you do a search, Happy Face Funzo, uh, she's, she's based out of Dublin, asking if she could maybe be part of our next upcoming independent uh, Minds World you know, Music uh, Indie Showcase. Uh, that was really odd. The timing there was quite peculiar for sure and uh you know we kind of actually i did my best to track down to find her details but before we produced this most recent installment we just wrapped that up last week actually couldn't find it so we'll ask her to be a part of things with the next time that we put a showcase together and we'll see what her response is so uh, that was a little spooky for was sure it leanne was her name leanne Featuring Funzo. There you go, yeah. Happy Face. Yeah. Happy Face. And yeah. Leanne. She's, on, she's on there March 28th, 2017. I'll send it to you. She's on the, She's on YouTube. You just did a quick search there? She's on Minds yep. here, too. For some reason, YouTube is not letting me paste anything or text. I'm having trouble typing there, so we'll have to do that through uh, Facebook, I guess. We've only got another 20 minutes here, too, just with the main event. So uh, I'd really like to keep the focus on the smiley face killers. So, which is interesting too, because that is the title that you chose for your documentary. Others refer to uh, this phenomenon as the if, smiley face murders. You well, I call go, it the smiley face killers, but if I didn't title that, people wouldn't know what I was talking about. So I was, if I called it killings associated with the smiley face, people wouldn't get it, you know? Well, you, but you're, what you're I definitely saying though, it's a, it's not one single person that you feel definitely. is behind this. It's more nope. either a, it's a culture. Right. It's actually a culture. That's An underground network of sorts. With Correct. Underground folks. network of people who know what's going on, you know. And a lot of the kind of the wink, wink, nudge, nudge, sort of uh, aren't I cute kind of back and forth communications via the web. Uh, yep. Dark and, web, fetish, yeah. fet life, you know, fetish zones. You know, what? what is the other gay, gay app? Tinder, oh, I, I think remember. was the one. Tinder, no, no, that's not it. There's another gay app. Grinder. So grinder, all these other things people are communicating, you know. You have also one of the points that you've drawn to people's attention is, you know, for as investigators, people that are hoping to maybe, you know, take a look at things here and, and pay close attention to what's going on is that with the CCTV and uh, these various establishments that have been 
complicated that uh, they're not always, you know, there's they're pretty seedy places, basically. Yeah, uh, you know, And that you can not rule out the possibility that, you know, like, for example, there have been people thrown out of drinking establishments by bouncers. There's been conflicting yep. stories, too. Yes, that's Whether, correct. What happened to... Jenkins and, Dan- and Marr, conflicting stories. You know? Were they let back in? Were they? Were they? Were they but not? Zachary Marr, for example, an example in Boston two years ago was not let back in, and then he disappeared. But the people at the bar said, "Oh, we would have let him back in." So why is there different things? And the same thing happened in the Jenkins case. He was kicked out, but not supposedly drunk enough to be kicked out. And that was in Minneapolis, Minnesota. What of the? I think we've kind of touched on this already. Secret society potential here because. Uh, and not just from the old strictly chaos magic end of things necessarily, but the crossover and, and how many police officers, I'm quite sure even up until today, many of them happen just coincidentally enough to be Freemasons. You know, right. uh, what do they call it? Walking the blue line? Right, something like that. Yeah. Right. And I mean, there's a decent chance that there's something like that involved. Code of silence. No. As you say, the investigations, the way that they've been conducted... I guess you could look at it from both ends of the equation. That you say some of the officers were disciplined for not in the, in the UK. Oh, I see, but not in the states. They have not been. Dis- no, I was not aware of any disciplinary actions. Actually, the only one was the Jenkins case that took place in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The cops actually turned the case from accidental drowning to murder due to the actions of the mother, who was very tenacious in dealing with the facts of the case. Just the roughshod handling. Yeah, she wrote a book. I think it was uh, not Footprints at the River's Edge. It was uh, Footprints and Courage, I believe. She wrote about the case of her son and how he was murdered. But that's definitely one of the SFK cases. Uh, And, of course, it makes it a lot easier, I suppose, just to sweep everything under the carpet and attribute it all to alcohol and and stupidity, basically, rather than the fact that... It's a lot easier. There's something a little more... There's a darker agenda. Well the, well, the real thing is, is, why are these men disappearing? Because their bodies should have been found within three or four days in most of those instances. Why are they disappearing for 30 days, 20 days, 40 days? doesn't make sense. Well, one of the questions that I was actually, it's a little off topic here, uh, but we might as well get it out there for our listeners because it is quite interesting. In some ways, it might even tie into what we're talking about more or less here today. Mark Ebner was a guest of ours who I believe I tried to, with the interview that we did, the conversation we had a number of months ago, I had mentioned something about, was it David Carradine's father, John Carradine, I believe, who you claimed was a member of the Hollywood Hellfire Club. He seemed to think that was quite interesting and wanted to find out more information uh, regarding the matter. He's a investigator, kind of a muckraker of sorts himself. Did the two of you ever manage to get in touch with one another? So it's Hollywood's Hellfire Club, published by Feral House. That's where the talk about of his. But he was supposedly John Carradine was arguably a member, of early member of the OTO. So he, you know, Jack Parsons, rubs Jack Parsons, right? Hubbard, all those people. Well, and there's a tie-in here, of course, too, with the BDSM. I had to write this down because it's tough. It's the what, bondage, domination, sadomasochism scene. Uh, just out of L.A. itself, I guess you've talked about, you've referenced there being, I think, something like 10, what do they call them, right. studios, which studios, is right. a sex dungeon. Or the, or the <clears throat> like. And my, my first response was, 
only ten. <laughs> you know? Well, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Well, you can rent them out. So I don't know. You know, I don't know how they're making money, but I don't know where all ten are. But I know that there are a couple close to where I live. So those are, you know, that's what's happening. Another thing that's happening too, from what I understand, is people are actually paying to be abducted, slapped around a little bit, get right. their rocks off, and I'm not sure what, how it all kind of ends. Uh, no, that's happening too. Have you ever heard of the term yachting? No. Y a c h t i n g. So, in the underground of L.A., there are these women who approach B-list celebrities or B-list stars. And tell them that they have an offer for them. You know, it's a good offer. They go out on a yacht for two or three days, possibly in the Mediterranean. They'll make two hundred thousand. They'll meet some older men, and basically, what it is is these older men look for these young starlets and pay them quarter million dollars for a weekend. Uh, you're saying that the young women approach B-list? No, no, no. So actors. there's like there's an intermediary. So there's like a woman who talks to the woman, and that woman is basically functions as a pimp. Oh sure, and, and then like, the Middle East angle, of course, too. We've heard a lot yes. about that. I'm sure you've heard probably more than myself. But there was even a story. I, I believe one young lady who managed to she was locked in a trunk and somehow managed to yes make yes. her way out. I was an English woman. Yeah, supposedly she was abducted by a Polish guy. So she was one of the ones. Amidst, I've heard that Princess Diana worked as a yachter, so she was paid big money by Arab princelings to go on the yacht and have sex with people. So that's happening in L.A. Like one of them, uh, who is it? Million, M-I-L-I-A-N. She supposedly works as a yachter. And a lot of uh, people women. you would never know. I heard Lindsay Lohan makes a healthy living doing that kind well, of stuff. That's what she's doing in the Middle East, converting to Islam and everything else. <laughs> that's the cover story. There's always a cover story. You know, Jeez. some of these intermediaries that are work that are out there. These are rumors. You know, these are I'm, I don't have I have good sources, but. No, I can't verify it, but there's a woman by the name of Jenkins, J-E-N-K-I-A-N. It's not her real name. She was from the, the Balkans or somewhere in Yugoslavia, and she is a refugee. She's friends with Sean Penn, but she works as an intermediary, supposedly, for a lot of these trans yachting transactions. She takes a cut, but she's also kind of a high-end pimp for these Eastern European women who come over to the United States and function as prostitutes. That's the real Hollywood. That's not what you see above board, you know? That's all the dirty stuff that happens underneath the glamour. Yeah, uh, I'd imagine there would be a, a fair deal of that in Tinseltown. You know, Lindsay Lohan, it's interesting, too, uh, having mentioned her, that she was, I believe, one of the people that came out. It was this a video I saw. She, she came out, I think, uh, supposedly via somewhere in the Middle East, uh, in support of Harvey Weinstein, right. you know she, she's she one of the few, right? Amazing, hey! Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, and he's involved in all kinds of stuff. You know, some of the people took that deal willingly. They didn't, you know. Oh, they of said, course, sure. So the ones that came forward are the ones who said no. But there's just as many who said yes. Gwyneth Paltrow, you know, a lot of these people are rumored to have said, okay, whatever, make me a star. Gwyneth Paltrow won an Oscar for Shakespeare in Love, right? Uh, the Hollywood ca casting coach has been in place for quite some time uh, now, too. Uh, 100, 100 years. Although it's interesting that finally, uh, because of his, he's just obviously clearly going too far, just completely out of control, quite manic, obviously, and uh, hopefully getting Who's the that? help that he needs. Who, Weinstein? Oh, well, yeah. 
Yeah, he's in trouble. You know, all his money's gone. That whole company is going to be bankrupt. They're going to sue that company out of all of its assets. So he's he's going to be penniless, essentially, based upon the only thing he'll have left is only the money that he's stashed away for the last 20, 30 years. I guess uh, it's, it's, it's somewhere, is it hundreds of women that we're talking there as far as his? Yes, uh, absolutely, absolutely. And how many of those, maybe half, were, uh, who knows how many were actually paid off? You yeah, don't know who's getting paid off. I can tell you probably in the last year in Hollywood, the lawyers are working overtime on payoffs for a bunch of other people that have names you've never known. You know, not Weinstein, but other people. You know, I've got a problem. I want you to solve it. Money isn't an issue. Go talk to her. You know what I mean? How about that? Pirate Joe referencing, talking about this business of yachting just a few minutes ago. It sounds like he might be suggesting Melania Trump figuring into the equation here <clears throat> you never know i'm not i'm not counting her out but a lot of those eastern e- european women to them fifty thousand dollars is three five year salary right depends how high you live yeah okay well you know there's i, I think we've about uh, run the course here it's, it's unfortunate you've got your health situation right now is where i kind of found yeah, i'm not dead yet the... i'm not dead yet <laughs> oh god but uh, I just with talking points here, I think uh, pretty much have run the course and just trying to, uh, is there anything that you think we may have missed out on? I know that before we wrap Not here, really. we want to make sure that everybody is able to find your website. The you can buy all of my, all of my signed copies of my books are at William Ramsey Investigates. You can check out all my YouTube stuff about the West Memphis Three, about Smiley Face Killers at William Ramsey Investigates or William Ramsey on YouTube. And I'm pretty active on Facebook, and I want to torch my Twitter account. So hopefully I won't be on there in the next week. What's going on with Twitter? Well, they, they got busted. They're, they're using Twitter is using bots to influence public perception. So if you're on there, you're getting some fake account saying, hey, this isn't so bad. This, this whole memo isn't bad. This is done by the Republicans. You know, it's all kinds of crap. So Facebook didn't do this. Yeah, Facebook Facebook's terrible, too. Yeah. yeah, so thank God we've got places like Minds.com, which uh, maybe you'll, uh, I know you've got an account Spend more there. time out, I do. You actually set me up on an account probably, what, a year ago, a year and a half ago, so yeah, it's still wanna... there. You know, when you actually reference, or you get like referral points is what you're supposed to end up pocketing in your, your wallet. Everyone has a wallet over there with the channels that they put together. I'm not sure if I ever got my points. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm getting any points for the people that I... Uh, end up sending over to minds.com but uh, it's an i definitely have some points i definitely let me see where are my points i saw some points on there 409 points are those worth anything what you can do is you can boost content for 409 views and uh-huh. there's not much of a bot issue most of the people on minds are real people uh, well, that's good. we try to kind of everyone you know, the community that we've got over there uh, try to suss out the... Ponies? Yeah, that sort of thing. So, doing our best there to... Uh, you know, it's... Once again, it's open-sourced. Uh, it's a very, very much a free speech platform, which is... You know, it just reminds me... I got I got thrown in Facebook jail just in the lead-up to our going online here and uh, getting the stream running this week. So... Yeah, I've had it with uh, with Facebook. It's relentless, the nonsense yeah. that I have to put up with there. In fact, we have a group on Minds. It's a few thousand people right now. Facebook FUBAR is the title of that group. So it's you know, just nonsensical, of course, the amount of BS that people have to put up with. 
and data mining too. Facebook or mines, on the other hand, it's encrypted, and there's no the data mining. I don't know about they're really privacy is really it's a it's a big deal over there and protecting people's their online uh activities and so forth there's even been stories the last little while you might have picked up on this yourself too of twitter and other social media outlets including all the usual suspects facebook and the like that they're actually following people online across multiple forums and that if you post something on one platform that uh, they're trying to penalize you on the other and, and have your account wow. shut down that's amazing yeah that's so amazing. i've heard something like that yeah uh that's the Korean uh, expression of exasperation. Aish. Aish. <laughs> it's, like it's like saying shit, basically. So, all right, William. Well, we pretty much, I think, yeah, we've got half a dozen folks that have stuck with this the whole time here. Approximately, not quite 90 minutes. So we've been streaming live with show number 92. Uh, we've got all the information out there that we need, I think, as far as contact particulars are concerned. Twitter.com, occult 911 as well as, of course, the, well, let's see, you do, the Minds account, and then Facebook, you're the account that you've got put together there once again, just to remind listeners. My account for Vimeo is William Ramsey or Smiley Face, and then uh, YouTube is William Ramsey Investigates, and then I'm also on base, Facebook, and my website is WilliamRamseyInvestigates.com. Very good. You stand by. We're going to queue up the okay. outro here. That's it for show number 92 this week, folks. On behalf of Captain Long John Sinclair, the Robin Hood, and all its crew, until we meet again out on the high digital seas, I'm your host as always, the ship's chief communications officer, Jaffe Ryder. I know. There we be. Having carefully looked over each of our navigation panel instruments, checking every level, switch, dial, cable, knob and pulley, by all accounts and indications, we indeed see it's time once again to drop anchor inside Mystic Bay and draw an end to another week of Pirate Radio Podcasts. Remember... If you're looking for a little more lively online action, keep in mind we've likely got yet another great free-flowing Rogues Gallery after show coming up for the next hour in either Skype, Google Hangouts, or Peer.in. Also, if you've in any way enjoyed or found yourself benefiting from the shows we've tirelessly produced over the past two years, you might want to drop by our Patreon tip jar page lend a little support. Half of all network donations go directly to charity. Help to keep those numbers growing over on Patreon and we'll be able to extend even more of a generous pirate hand. Looking forward now to the balance of 2018, we're still not quite yet booked. So if you yourself have a new, novel, intriguing, or otherwise underreported idea unique individual, or pressing item in mind, be sure to either drop us a line directly over on WPRPN.com or fire us a quick email via PirateOneRadio at gmail.com. 
We're always open to exploring fresh creative suggestions, intriguing guest ideas, cutting-edge discussion topics, and captivating themes. You can further embark on your own personal pirate journey by either liking, commenting on, subscribing to, or just following us via virtually any mainstream social media platform, including Twitter, Facebook, Google+, or Minds.com. So don't forget to become engaged. Until we meet again out on the high digital seas, I'm your host as always, the ship's chief communications officer, Jaffe Ryder. Tally ho. Tally ho.